Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex's strategy game news, we have updates on Thea 2, Gladius, Planetfall, Lord of Rigel, and much, much more. Troy. Hey, Troy. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nate. It's good to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I was kind of sick over the long holiday weekend, so I didn't really get to enjoy myself all that much outside of being sick. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I'm doing okay. Looking forward to the next long holiday weekend that I can be sick again. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely could use another holiday after this one. So, yeah, uh, we, we need a holiday from the holiday. Yeah, no doubt. Let's go ahead and get started with Thea 2. And this mm-hmm. week we got like a promotional video, a, a story trailer for the game, and it kind of follows this family uh, around as they begin establishing their village, and then they lose their village, and this sort of thing. And Nate, you know how kids can die a lot in Thea 2? Yes. Well, I was really hoping in this video that the kid was going to die, because that had to be oh, the most no. annoying voice for a kid oh, I've no. ever heard. That's horrible. You're a horrible person, well, Troy. Maybe, You're horrible. But it was like, are we there yet, Papa? And I'm like, oh, let a wolf eat him. Let, let a wolf oh, eat him. Oh, Something. Oh God, that was just that was just for this for the video. I doubt you're gonna have somebody within the game doing that every time you're doing some kind of a settlement or something. Oh, I hope that voice is not in the game. It was it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, all right, but that was it from cold hearted. Yeah, that was it from three uh, Thea two this week. Uh, let's move on to Civ six. What's going on over there? Well, before we do, um, they have their announcement. Well, not announcement, but on the 30th of November, which is going to be like two days after you guys hear this, uh, it's going to be an early access on Steam. So if you've been listening to the show and you know kind of been fence-sitting, that might be your chance to jump in and grab it. So if you're willing to try it out. All right, well, Civ 6. Remember how in the last couple of weeks we've been speculating all these rumors that there's another major expansion coming and trying to figure out the date and whatnot and, and all that good stuff? Well, here it is. It was announced. It's called Ga- The Gathering Storm. It's the second major expansion for Civilization 6. And this one looks to be very, very interesting. From all of the various features that I'm about to talk about right now, there's only one that I don't like, and I will talk about that at the end. So first of all, as a small trigger warning for people, please don't overreact. This is not an environmentalist message. 
It is a very simple mechanic. Well, it's not a simple mechanic. It's a complicated mechanic. But this has been in previous Civilization games where there wasn't such an outroar, outrage, and you know, uproar over every little thing that's different. So they're bringing back environmental effects, things like environmental disasters, having impacts on the environment based on what resources used as of the industrial age. So you'll have stuff like pollution, you'll have uh, stuff like flooding and all and then you'll have environmental disasters, little sim city like where you will have a volcano exploding or something like that. So it should be very interesting to see how it impacts the game. From what I can see, it looks good. Accompanying this podcast, we're going to have a one hour video from an official video from Firaxis that you can watch. It has a couple of the developers talking about it. it has a message from Sid Meier. It's, it's really good. I liked what I saw there. I'm a little sad that they didn't didn't do any little teasers about some of the other new civilizations because that's the other major thing here is that there's going to be nine new civilizations introduced now in this in one weeks, expansion. Yes, when wow, they do a that's major a deal. Expa- well, whenever they do a major expansion like this, they always have a lot of civilizations. They had it with Rise and Fall, so they'll do it here. Well, it's not nine expand nine civilizations. I believe it's eight civilizations and an additional alternate leader from one of the existing oh, okay. civilizations. Okay, well, still, that's not still, too bad. Still, right? They'll, it'll have uh, its unique tile sets there, and within the video, you'll see that a coastal city looks different than an inland city, which might look different than a city that's in a desert or in a mountain or something else. So it should be, should be exciting. Uh, they're revamping uh, the power resources, meaning oil, coal, and things like that, uranium, and to incorporate some of the new features on the map. So they'll have stuff like uh, hydropower. So if you're by a river, you'll you'll have a thing where you can build a hydropower plant and it'll actually have more meaning now versus just the structure you build to get a little bonus. You'll have geothermal power. You'll have all kinds of things like that. And there's going to be a significance to what you have because depending on what's available and what's interconnected, you know, that's the different... Uh, I guess, power types available to you for exploitation. They're going to have engineering projects to mitigate some of these global uh, environmental changes. Um, There's going to be new uh, technologies. There's a revamp of the wind conditions. So three of the major wind conditions are going to get revamped. There's going to be additional scenarios. There's going to be all kinds of new content. And finally... Finally, the major, major part of this is the reintroduction of the World Congress. Now, within the video, they're acting like this is something brand new, which it is not. Maybe this iteration is new because there's more going on. But overall, this is a mechanic that's been in passive games. It is actually a mechanic that I despise a lot, like utterly. And if there's a way to turn it off, that's probably going to be the first thing I turn off because... In reality, this thing does not work the way they they want it to work. And in the game, it works even worse because the AI doesn't know how to use it. It's very easy to exploit, and it's not fun as a result of that. I, if you want to abuse the AI, I guess here's another tool to you know, spank them. But if you're tired of spanking them because the AI doesn't know how to play the game, then this is a feature I personally do not like. And I'm speaking for myself. Maybe people out there will be like, this is amazing. This is the best implementation of this we've ever seen. And you know what? If that's the case, I'll easily go back and say I was wrong. This is a fantastic feature. But at least based on past experience with Civ games in the World Congress, I don't like it. 
And uh, yeah, there's going to be an attached. Um, so the attached video also has the trailer for this uh, new expansion, and it looks good. I'm I'm very stoked. I'm 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 excited. There's there's a, another thing I didn't mention is there's a change to the end of the tech tree to where they're bringing back future techs. Oh, good. So I that's like gonna, that mechanic actually. Right, and it makes me wonder what's going to happen because Civ 4 had three major expansions and the third expansion like just took the game to a whole other level. Civ 5 had two expansions and if it would have had that third expansion, Civ 5 might have been one of the greatest four. It's it's already a, one of the greatest, but it could have been even better than that. And I'm wondering if the community feedback and I, I don't know, how do I put it? The community reaction or maybe the fact that the community is so accepting of it. Maybe they don't want to already put out Civ 7. Maybe this will warrant adding a third expansion, major expansion, because that kind of feels like this is a middle expansion. It feels like there could be more added to this, more end game stuff, more future tech stuff, more, you know what, beyond Earth, we could have done something more with it. Let's see if we can do it with Civ. So that's at least my personal hope. Yeah, I I hope Civ 7 is like, Five, six, maybe even seven years away. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Civ Six has plenty to offer if they just work on it and make it better. They don't. They don't yep. need Civ Seven for a good long while. Yep, absolutely. All right, we're gonna move on to Driftland, the Magic Revival, and this week we got a new update. And mm-hmm. uh, this is actually a, a pretty major one. Really, it's gonna change the way that the game is played a bit. What they've added is. Um, a mechanic that will add cooldown timers to your more powerful spells. So it's really interesting how it works. In Driftland, up until now, you could just spam your spells until you ran out of mana. Okay, so like if you wanted to cast Lightning Bolt, you could just cast it and then cast it and cast it and chain it together and together. And you could wipe out opponents' castles and fortifications and units very easily if you had that resource available. So... Like, if you want to invade an island, you could rush in real quick, spam your destructive spells, and win before the opponent had an opportunity to react. And that's really not that fun. So what they've done is they've added a, a slider of sorts that m- moves out from the center. It starts kind of at a neutral position, and then it moves out from the center. So each time you cast a spell, the slider moves out a little bit, and you have to wait for it to get down past a certain level before you can cast your powerful spells again. So let's say you cast Lightning Bolt twice in a row. Well, those sliders will move out so far, you won't be able to cast it again for a few seconds. Like, you know, it's a real-time game, so it could be 10, 12 seconds, and that'll matter. And if you cast it again, they'll move out even further. So this time might be 20 seconds before you can cast it. And then, you know, it'll keep doing that um, until you let the, the bar get back to its neutral position so that is a great way to balance the powerful spells in the game without having to go back through and adjust all the numbers and and try to get that right which is just a big guessing game and could take months really just to rebalance it all properly and then you might not even be sure adding this in rebalances those higher tier spells uh, while adding a rather nice visual effect to the game and without changing their fundamental nature, so that way people who did like them still get to use them. So I thought that was pretty clever. 
uh, a bunch of extra bug fixes, and the game's going to mm-hmm. be out in the Chinese language here. Uh, well, I think with this update, it is. So mm-hmm. now um, Driftland is available in seven different languages, so that's pretty nifty. Yeah, and it's not an expensive game. So no, if, no, not if people are on the fence, like, oh, man, there's so many games coming. They're all so expensive. This is really high-quality, high-production game that's not particularly expensive. So definitely give it a look. Give it a try. You might be surprised. Yeah, and as of this recording, it's on sale. I don't know if it will be by the time people hear this, but mm. as of this recording, it's on sale, so you might check that out. Well, it, it, It'll be back on sale again in a couple of weeks for the Christmas or yeah, right, winter sale. Exactly. As uh, as we as we said earlier, there's like three sales one after the other, so it's interesting. I'm actually looking at the various prices from each of the sales to see if there's a difference. Is there a reason to buy something for the autumn sale? I mean, for the Halloween sale, autumn sale, or you know, winter sale? It'll be an interesting comparison. Even our polls asking about it. So, all right. Let's moving on. Let's talk about Warhammer 40k Gladius Relics of War. It is a very long title, but it is for a good game. And uh, they released an update called 1.1.3. And in short, it is mostly AI improvements. Now, we know a lot of these improvements are coming from their internal AI team working with Ale, who's a community member. And he worked on their previous game from from Proxy Studios, Pandora, and he did some phenomenal work on their AI. And we're already in our forum section. We're seeing feedback from people that are picking up the game. And they're like, wow, I'm noticing the difference. I'm not going to go through these points. It's irrelevant. It's a lot of AI work. All you got to do is just fire up the game. Whatever difficulty you played on before, just play on the same difficulty and see if you can notice a difference. I'm pretty sure you will. Now, they're also doing a couple of tiny... bug fixes and these are fixes that are dealing with ai slowdowns so part of the ai update is that the ai is doing more and more which causes your your system to slow down so these are optimization changes and um yeah i'm excited i re- i wrote up the review for it i'm very fond of this game now i'm not i i liked the dlc that they released like the reinforcement pack i thought it was too expensive but then when we got to talking with the various community members somebody mentioned something i didn't think about which is licensing so when you think of it that way yeah i can see why it's more expensive but now they're working they're not talking about it in any detail but they're working on the first major faction that's going to be added to the game and there's all kinds of speculation amongst us players that we're having on their forums and in our forums and amongst each other privately so i'm very eager to see what it's going to be and uh yeah definitely check it out it's one of the best 4x games that came out this year it's not a civ game this is a much more focused 4x experience you know if if fighting and war is something you try to avoid in 4x games then this game might not be it for you but if you enjoy a good battle then you should definitely check it out all right, also from the post-apocalyptic genre, we have Age of Wonders Planetfall. And this week we got a video that put a spotlight on the Devar uh, faction. And I guess Devar is a play on the word devour, because that's more or less what they do. They're like ruthless industrialists that come in, strip mine uh, a plot of land for all its resources and convert it into useful materials. And uh, the video goes through their basic faction abilities, 
their their units and their backstory and some of this seems super powerful to me for instance they can demolish mountains which is something you know if you've never played age of wonders uh, before mountains are impassable terrain uh, they might provide s some type of resource or, or strategic advantage but you, your units can't ever go there but the devar can knock them down and convert them into resources which is really cool and then not only that they can basically slide a mountain range underneath their opponents just boom out of nowhere a, a mountain range will pop up in an opponent's uh, uh sector and could destroy cities or resources or improvements or anything like that that was under them so wow that's really powerful and then it goes through their units, and their units have tractor beams where they can grab units and grind them up into into uh, raw materials and like all these different things. Oh, and they use explosive weapons, but they're smart weapons, so the odds of them harming friendly units is reduced. It's just I don't know, Nate. They they didn't talk about any of the drawbacks for the Devar. They they seem like they might be a little overpowered for this game. I don't know. I think the drawback right off the bat is going to be that their units are going to be expensive and that their units are going to be but slow that only to build. matters in the early game. Like in the mid and late game, expensive units are kind of irrelevant because you'll have enough you always have enough resources to build what you mm, want. No. In the in the Age of Wonders games, like your tier four units, you cannot build even in your most advanced cities, you couldn't knock them out in a single turn. They took time. They dealt a lot of damage, but once they started taking damage, they took a long time to heal. So we'll, we'll have to see how it translates into, from uh, the fantasy setting into this futuristic setting. Now, I, I agree, they're powerful, but you know what? I'm tired of playing games where your faction is a wussy faction, you know? Barely scraping by. I, I like playing a game where you're playing the juggernaut once in a while. And it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, you, you know, Triumph did really good with their combat mechanics. And I cannot imagine that there's going to be a faction that can just one-shot everybody from start to finish. So there's going to be some interesting counters to this. I'm looking forward to it. What yeah, I liked about this video... to see how they balance plopping down a mountain range on your opponent. <clears throat> Probably sending in the sex robots uh. to distract the workers. <laughs> Maybe that. You know? Good. There's, you Maybe know, there's going to be some, there's, there's definitely some dark humor behind this. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Now, what I liked about it is like how heavy metal they are literally and figuratively. And I'm looking forward to playing them. I, I, I'm seeing comments of people like, oh, it's so boring. It's just the typical tropes. It's like, you know, it's a catch 22. If you go all original and Everything is unique and it's like significantly different. Everything is different. People complain, oh, I don't know what I'm playing. This doesn't look familiar. I don't want to play it. Yeah, it's cool, but I don't want to play it. But if you're going also, everything is exactly the same as everything else, then we get people saying like, oh, look, it's seven different versions of the elves, you know? So Catch-22, we'll kind of have to wait and see what to do with it. But either way, I am I enjoyed the video. I enjoyed the sneak peek. I saw, I liked some of the things that I saw and... I didn't see anything that that made me go, oh, I don't know about that. So, I mean, they're powerful. They're definitely powerful. Now, moving on, let's talk about Stellaris. Now, this week, there's two bits of information. The first bit is that the release is right around the corner. It should be coming out on December 4th. 
So they are talking this week's dev diary was specifically talking about modding in 2.2 and how the modding is is being adjusted to make it easier. Now, the one thing I didn't notice, I looked through it and maybe I went too quickly through it. Maybe I should have clicked on more stuff to see if it's in there, but I didn't see. So they have a checksum system that if you're playing with mods, it can disable achievements and other things like that. So I want to know how that changes. Now, I'm, I probably missed it. It's probably right in front of me, and I just didn't see it. But if not, I'll, I'll ask about it. And I, I'm not a modder, so most of the stuff doesn't really – I appreciate mods, obviously. And I enjoy good mods, well-thought-out mods, but I can't make them. And if somebody were like, Nate, I'm going to pay you $100,000 to make some mods, I'll be like, mm, I don't know about that. But it's $100,000. Like, My mods are not going to be good. Pay it to somebody else. Pay it to somebody who knows what they're doing. And again, nobody's going to pay me $100,000 to make mods. So I was just throwing a number out there. But anyways, what is cool is that they had the trailer for Megacorp, which I really enjoyed. I really got a kick out of it because... I know for a fact somebody that watched the intro movie for the United Empires from Endless Space 2 and somebody who's a huge fan of the Starship Troopers, the first movie that came out in the 90s, was like, oh, I know what I can do to improve on both of those. And that's what this trailer is. This trailer is exactly what I imagined it would be. It was like maybe somebody who also enjoyed watching Wally and they wanted to make fun of the... What what was the corporation there? Oh man, I can't remember. It's not coming. But you remember you remember Bi- what I'm talking no, about? Right? No, what was it? And Wally was like Walmart, but they had all yeah. for all, yeah. all, all something. Anyways, so it's kind of like that. It's a really good, it's a really good trailer. Definitely makes me go, hmm, I want to play this. So good job on their team that made it because they did a good job with it. Oh, by and, and large, said, by and large, there you go. Walmart, by and large, it was kind of like that. That's kind of like what the cities looked like. So you ca- you had like the one image that's being promoted, and then you had the truth of it, which is very different. And I'm I'm very curious to see what it looks like. We should we'll probably be getting our key either around the time you hear this or shortly thereafter. So, Ma- by the way, Mark is going to be doing a let's play. And he had me put up a post on our Patreon page for the patrons to give some feedback on what type of a corp he should play in, like play style. And he also did the same thing on our forum. So check it out. We'll have a link in our notes. Go in there if you're a patron. By all means, please comment away. Or if you are a community member, just you know, post in the forum and let us know what you think about, you know, what will be because you know, you know Mark, you know how it goes. He's he really plays it up and tries to make it interesting so by all means give him some feedback he's looking forward to it we'll be talking about it behind the scenes a little bit more before we start i really enjoyed his uh surviving mars video that he put up recently i thought he did a good job with that yep uh, yep i'm I'm actually gonna yeah the what's it called that the new expansion for the game but yep uh yeah i i thought he did a really good job now nate here's a name Hmm. i bet you haven't thought of in a good long while Lord of Rigel. I was thinking about him, wondering oh, what was going liar. on. Nobody's been thinking I'm, about this I'm, game. I'm not. I'm not a liar. You know why I was thinking about them? Why? Because I've been wa- I've been rewatching Babylon Five. Oh yeah, yeah. And, well, and you're Lord of my Rigel. Thunder, so cut it out. All oh, right, so sorry, this week, sorry. Okay, I'll be quiet now. This week, um, uh, the uh, the makers of Lord of Rigel gave us a really great teaser trailer for um. 
Well, for the game, but it was told from the point of view of one of the elder races in the game, the Arcturan. And the video featured a lot of space battles. And I'm, you know, whenever you see a trailer, you got to be a little bit skeptical. Is like, is this in-game footage or is this animation? Are these models, actual models from the game? Or, you know, did they hire somebody to, to kind of make this sort of movie for them? I really hope that, at the very least, these are models from the game. I would love it if the game looks like this, because the trailer looks amazing. It looks so good. Uh, the The ships look awesome, the animations look great, and the storyline is really quite quite catching, I think. Uh, like you mentioned, it, it basically takes the idea um, from... Now, I'm not saying they did this, okay? Let me rephrase. It reminds me of the basic plot line for the first three and a half seasons of Babylon 5, the TV show from the 1990s. And yeah, the Shadow War. It, essentially, in that show, you have, ostensibly, um, forces of order versus forces of chaos. Now, as the show progresses, it gets a lot more nuanced and complicated than that, as you would expect. But that's essentially the, the conceit of the show when it when it begins and we have that same sort of idea here in lord of rigel you have forces of order who demand servitude and obedience and efficiency and you have forces of chaos that offer chance and evolution and success along with misfortune and these two major factions are, are kind of duking it out and the minor factions or uh, younger races, as the video calls them, uh, are kind of caught in the middle and they have to choose a side and, and this sort of thing. is really fascinating. And if they can capture the storyline in the game via missions, quests, random events, this sort of thing, I think it could be a much more immersive for uh, Space 4X game than we've seen recently because, man, I love storylines like this. I really do. So we'll, I agree uh, with you. We'll we'll see what comes next. Um, I I really ought to ask on that video if that's in-game footage or or where the models I'm, came from. I'm pretty sure that's in-game footage because they've been showing off their art for the past year, year and a half, and that's the art that they've shown. Okay. And they've shown they also have so they're Rombo Studios. Check out their YouTube channel. You'll see they have. Um, so, I don't want to call it test footage. It's actual footage, but it's not. It's in game, but it's not play footage. It's test footage where they'll rotate the ships, zoom in and out. They'll show you features of different ships, and yeah, you'll see these ships. You'll see it's these ships. It's not like you know you have like some kind of engine, and then you take it to an outside studio that makes like a trailer. This is what AAA companies do because well, they can't. It, it'll just be interesting to, you know, it's, there's a difference between a static 3D model and then what's going on in this video. Very so, true. So, uh, you know, man, the, well, regardless, they did a great job on the video. The video's killer. If you're uh, listening to this on our site, uh, click on the link in the show notes. It may not be up right away. Um, but yeah. they'll be there eventually, and you really would do yourself a favor to watch this video. I think it's pretty good. Agreed, agreed. All right, well, let's talk about Total War Three Kingdoms. So this is a game that we're all looking forward to, but we haven't really been talking about too much lately because what they've been doing is that they've been featuring the various historical figures that are from this era in Chinese history, 
and not so much about the mechanics. And that would be like talking about the heroes from a 4X game, like, you know, Endless Space or Endless Legend or something like that, and featuring them as a gameplay feature instead of the actual game itself. Well, now they're starting to talk about diplomacy. One of the most, I think, important aspects of this time in Chinese, well, any time in Chinese history was diplomacy. As important as warring was, as important as research and religion and, you know, empire building, it had, there were a lot of diplomatic things going on there that played crucial roles in the development of the world as a whole. And this was kind of the big question is what's going to happen? Because typically in a total war game, you have very good combat. Now, the AI might not be good itself. It might do weird stuff, but the combat, the unit, the, the possibilities, the you could do formations and like just look at the total war games to see what I'm talking about or some of the later games, you know, just the combat is awesome and you had interesting interactions on the map and you had heroes and, you know, family trees and all these things and resources. No, some deeper and better fleshed out than others, but there was a lot going on. But diplomacy was kind of like hit or miss. So here it looks like it's going to be a hit. So let me focus on a couple of things here. So one of the things that like usually an issue in any Forex or any game that has diplomacy is like there's no nothing really going on to it. It's not interesting. And I'll give you an example. Take Oriental Empires, which is a Forex, which deals with a lot of the same, there's a lot of overlap between that and Three Kingdoms. And diplomacy there is, it's workable, but it's not interesting. You, There's no flavor. One leader is the same as the next leader. You know, if they want to improve it, that's what they need to work on. But for Three Kingdoms, Total War Three Kingdoms, they're changing that. There's going to be something like diplomatic attitude and deal evaluations where you'll kind of get a little bit of, depending on the relationship you have with them, you'll get a better idea of what it would take to close the deal, how you make it happen. There's going to be a potential for haggling via negotiation and trying to get them to take this deal, you know, but you can also try to threaten them. Like, Take this deal or else. But what if this empire that you're trying to negotiate with is significantly more powerful than you or has allies you don't know about? When you use threats, you cannot see the thinking behind their responses. Like like they basically shut you out of that stuff. So you don't know the ramifications of that. You know, so that's that's very interesting. I'm I'm very curious to see how it plays out because you you have trading for resources, you have trading for technology, you have trading for cities. Then you'll have things like trying to build uh, like alliances, but then you could do marriages between kids, you know? So that's, that's a mechanic that they recently reintroduced to the Rome game. And I believe, what else did they introduce to? I know I, um, uh, the, the Viking game in England, Thrones of Britannia, that also had a big part, that also played a part in there. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over here. And this is just part one. There's going to be a lot more detail coming there probably in the next couple of weeks. Maybe by the next show we'll have more information. There's also a video for this. I think it's maybe eight minutes long, nine minutes long, where they sh- you can like just pause it and take a look at the map and you can get a better idea of what some of these interactions look like. So that'll also be in the notes. But I'm I'm getting more interested in this because that's one of the things that always bugged me about the Total War games is that like the diplomacy was so mundane and in a game that's about 
this aspect. Like, think of Crusader Kings well, 2. Well, in a game like Total Solids. War, you wouldn't expect a whole lot of diplomacy. No, no, no. Total you diplomacy. can No, but you have to have diplomacy because if, if in a game that styles well, you itself... you have to. You, no, but you do. Think about this. In a game that styles itself after some historical events to have some historical accuracy, very few wars have ended with a complete and utter victory that did not have some kind of diplomacy at the end of it or in the middle or at some point. And diplomacy played a big part in building the alliances, like look at World War One, World War Two, look at the U.S. Civil War, look at uh, Napoleonic Wars, or you can, you know, you can go east, you can go south, you can go wherever you want. Diplomacy always plays a role, some form of it. And just to have a, just like, Hi, bye here. I'll trade you three chickens and you'll be my friend. That's, you know, that doesn't, I mean, that would work if we're all living in caves and had 25 people in our village, but I don't think that would work for giant nations. Right. Mm. So it's, it'll be either way. It'll be interesting. And diplomacy played a huge part in China. So if nothing else, it definitely played a big part in Chinese history. Diplom having the diplomacy or not having it or lack thereof, you know? Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, why don't we, here's another game that talks about diplomacy. Why don't you talk about Fields of Glory Empires? Well, yeah. Uh, Slytherin announced that they're launching a new game called Field of Glory Empires. And it is a turn-based WeGo game. And essentially, you're going to start off as uh, a nascent empire in the Mediterranean. And uh, you're going to build your empire up improve it through your cities, improve your armies, uh, have battles and all this sort of thing. And uh, the thing that struck me, Nate, is Slytherin just produced Aggressor's Ancient Rome. And this game looks a little different from that, but it's still like kind of competing for the same market slice, in my opinion. Both turn-based games. They're both uh, featuring Rome. Now, I think Field of Glory... Empires here kind of maybe starts at an earlier era. You know, you might you might not start off as the Romans. You might start off as the Etruscans, and then you got to unite uh, the Italian peninsula and then go out and conquer. But right, right. it, it kind of strikes me as a little bit strange that you know they they already had a pretty decent Rome game. Uh, mm-hmm. In my I, in my opinion, I, th- I think Aggressor is a pretty good game. And uh, here they are kind of mining the same field with this game. And, you know, maybe when they went and talked to these two companies, you know, they weren't sure if one or both might fail. And so, you know, um, they they got uh, a a Geod, I think, is the, the developer for Field of Glory Empires. You know, they said, sure, why not? Uh, you know, you never know if a project's going to make it or, or not make it. We'll we'll do two that are very close. But then again, it could be just Slytherin not really caring about that. Um, there's There's been a lot mm. of times they've done this in the past and just kind of makes you scratch your head. Well, they're a publisher. So these are actually two different studios. And right, aggressors different studios, a f- But still, as a publisher, you mm. risk kind of cannibalizing your own market by producing two games that compete with each other. Uh, well, very close to each other. So I don't know. Well, I don't well, run my feel, own business, but it, right, it does right. seem kind of odd to me that, you know, like Firaxis wouldn't come out with Civ 6, then six, six months later come out with Grand Strategy World Civilization, you know? Well, 
Phyrexes that actually had done stuff like that in the past. Yeah, and it was I thought it was dumb. So well, either way, it's they're different games. You know, Fields of Glory. It's a different series from the Aggressor series, and we've uh, Micah actually wrote up, I believe, Fields of Glory two not so long ago as an excursion, and that was more of like a tactical war game. Whereas Aggressors definitely has a very, a very big and important component of it is war, but it's a different kind of war. It's not really it's strategic war. You don't get to do a lot of stuff that you can do in the Fields of Glory game, and also right, right. This this game is a labeled or at least being marketed as grand strategy which is different than say aggressors ancient rome which is really a 4x game so we'll we'll have to see i mean we'll get access to this at some point in the future and i'm working on aggressors i'm gonna i'm kind of wrapped up you know what i'll talk about this a little bit more in a bit in games we're playing and uh, i'll update where we are uh Are we ready for the what is section? Yes, yes, let's do that. So this week we're talking about a game called Led by Light. Now, this game, again, the what is segment is about games that are interesting, not necessarily, well, most likely not 4X. Any 4X game would be featured earlier on in the show and and not unless... It's closer to release and it's something that we pick up on for excursions or something that, you know, we're super excited. Not as I take it back. We could be super excited for this. I mean, we're we know we're covering, so you know, we cover in what is is kind of like a spotlight, something new. So this game labels itself as a single player rogue light with isometric perspective that incorporates the key elements of the best rpgs so multiple uh, multiple characters different classes uh probably has elements of divinity and diablo and things like that but at the same time it'll have uh, unique maps it'll have um replayability because um each time you play, it'll be different. So if you lose, like your party dies, it's not like the next time you play, it'll be the same game, you know? And each of the different characters will have um, like different progression paths. So it should be it should be interesting. We'll have a link to the website. So click on it, take a look. If this looks like it's something you're interested in, definitely give them a give them a little attention and maybe follow them on twitter that's where i'm following them so that's where i saw them all right well let's move on to what games we're playing so troy what games were you playing during all your travels last week uh i didn't have too much time um you know uh visiting family far away from my home but Mm. uh i did play some um world of tank splits they ran a black (laughs) friday sale on like just in game things like didn't cost real money it just just the in-game currency so uh, i i finished off buying up some tanks i had been waiting for a sale on so nothing real big there and then also um i finally beat a skirmish in space tyrant so i was pretty proud of myself for doing that and um i'm down to the last section on the review so that that'll nice. probably be finished if all goes well that should be finished this week Excellent. I definitely want to get this review up. We got a couple of other articles that are in various states of writing and editing. So by the end of the year, I think there are two 4X games that came out that will not be three at this point. Two or three that might not, they they are being covered, but they might not be ready by the end of the year just because it's, you know, 
it's getting to that point. It's holidays. Some of them we didn't find out until like you know oh, almost yeah. the end of What's the year. That anyways, magic one that like just snuck up on everybody. Oh, deity empires. Deity Empires, that one? Yeah, that's what it was. Deity Empires. Like, yep, I got a key. This was coming out. I wish I had known. We we would have been yeah. covering it for weeks. In fact, yep. I wonder if there's been any news on. We'll have to check that out for next week. Well, I I got in touch with the developer, so I got a key for I got a review key for that. Oh, good. And I'm trying Excellent. to talk to another developer to get a review key for another Forex game that I know one of the guys wanted to cover. I'm personally working on aggressors. Though the past month, I had warned everybody that between the beginning of September and the well, middle... Well, you know what? Let's just do you hmm. right now. What games have you been playing, Nate? Right. So this is the update part. So <laughs> so between the beginning of September and the middle of October, I had published three reviews for 4X Games. And then Red Dead dropped. And I had warned everybody. I think I've been warning everybody for the past year that when Red Dead drops, everything gets put on hold. I'm going to focus on it. And that's... Mostly what I played when I didn't feel like hell warmed over and I was it for the, I was pretty sick last week. So when I didn't feel like total garbage, I was playing, I wrapped up, I beat the game, I beat the stuff afterwards. It's still, I'm still playing it. I'm going to be playing it for years. The online components about to come on my posse, me and my friends that I told you, it's like the only game that I spent any amount of time playing with online with random people was Red Dead and I did a bit of Grand Theft Auto 5 but once they started dropping the shark cards I was like yeah I'm out of here I'm not I saw the writing on the wall that's not for me so I'm hoping they don't do that with Red Dead 2 but so I've been playing Red Dead 2 a lot amazing game it is it is wow that's that's all I gotta say now I know plenty of people are going to be like, oh, it's too linear. It isn't. Oh, open world. It's horrible. There's just, there's no story. There's lots of story. If, if you think this game doesn't have story, if you think this game is linear and you just, you've never played these type of games or you just don't like it, which is okay. Hey, to each their own. So yeah. So anyway, so for the first time in a few months now, I fired up Battletech. And the reason is I got the review, I got my review key. For Flashpoint, the first of three announced DLC expansions for Battletech that are coming in the next 12 months, which I'm pretty excited for, by the way. And anyways, um, yeah, so I fired it up. I started kind of looking, you know, seeing what's different. Immediately, I saw that I had to retrain my pilots because they had changed the point system in the in like the skill tree and what the, where they are and like what they do so immediately i went in did a little research it looked really cool i like the changes that they made because some of the skills that were there previously were way too powerful so they so i redid that and then i looked on the bigger map to see what's different and i found the flashpoint and then i had a coughing fit and i was like okay i'm done for now i need to feel better before i can spend any time doing anything like this so that's it so Mostly Red Dead Redemption 2 and Flashpoint. I will be getting back to Aggressors very soon, putting in more time so I can get to my review. And um, I'm what else? A couple, I did maybe 20, 30 minutes of, uh, what did I do? A little bit of Phoenix Point. Super excited for Thea. Just played again what I have to see what will be coming up in the next couple of days for Thea 2. And uh, Mutant Year Zero also. Because they released a new version, they they, re, they gave us the people that have the review keys got the full got the full access to the full game. So I went to look to see if anything's different. 
but I think that's it. Not actually, not too much gaming. All in all, I'm still. If you can tell by my voice, my voice is now fully back. I'm still kind of recovering from what I had on this last bout during the long weekend. But I think that's it. And with that, I just want to, as usually, say a huge big thanks to our patrons, to our community members, uh, to you know the staffers at Explorinator. I don't thank you guys enough. You guys do so much, and I don't thank you enough. So thank you. And uh, I think that's it. You got anything, Troy? No, I think that'll do it. And uh, with that, we'd like to just thank everyone for joining us on the podcast this week. We really enjoyed having you. This has been Troy and Nate for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya.